Hey, goal-getters. Cindy Kuzma here for the We Got Goals podcast. This week's episode is with longtime friend of a sweat life, Robin Lalonde. Robin is the co-founder of Edge Athlete Lounge, a thriving community of athletes here in Chicago. It's a gathering space where they can train and recover. Uh, cheers for athletes, if you're old enough to get the reference, and also a place for them to form what Robin calls sweat bonds. So we are thrilled to finally bring Robin on the show this quarter, given that we're focusing on community. Edge was really started about five years ago now as a place for athletes to belong. And as the membership has grown, so has that camaraderie. In this interview, Robin describes some key steps along the way, including this one moment that just jumped out at me when she realized the Edge logo didn't belong to her business or to her and her co-founder and husband, Brian, anymore. That, in fact, it had become the athlete's family crest. She talks about the ways this group of people have supported each other, both within the context of training and competition and outside of it. She explains what some of the toughest moments were in building Edge and how she stayed committed to that big goal, guided by a sense of what was to come. Another thing that I keep thinking about from this interview was this idea of how she reminded herself when she was in the middle of it that she was already on the mountain and that she was a whole lot more likely to get down safely if she stayed calm, worked hard, and didn't freak out about it. It's kind of an image that I have called to mind myself a few times lately. And finally, Robin offers up here a description of a strong community that just might be my favorite one yet. It's, she says, a group of people doing hard things together. I cannot wait to share this interview with you, and I think you'll get a lot out of it, even if you're not here in Chicago and you can't come join the Edge community in person. So here is my interview with Robin. Girl, I said I'll be on the road. I'll be back. I'm just reaching for a goal. So don't be upset when I'm not... This is Cindy Kuzma, and I am here on the We Got Goals podcast with Robin Lalonde, who is the co-owner of Edge Athlete Lounge here in Chicago. Robin, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I am I'm pumped about the kind of prospect of talking about all things community. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's just get right into it then because Edge is a physical space. It's a place where athletes can go and train and strength train and train on treadmills and bikes and also a place where they can have and a wide array of recovery tools from boots to ice baths to lasers. But it also is a community, I know, and perhaps most importantly, a community. And you've been really intentional about that from the beginning. So how would you describe the Edge community? Um, the Edge community is, I think, first and foremost, diverse. And it's, it's definitely more diverse than kind of what we thought, right? We come at it from a pretty pure endurance background. But to see just how much straight up strength training, general fitness on top of endurance. And then we have things like, you know, trapeze artists and NBA draftees layered in there. It's, you never know kind of what you're going to get, but the thing that unifies all of them is what we call the sweat bond. And one of our axioms is to honor the sweat bond. And first and foremost, everybody does exactly that. And that's the whole thing is if you step in our front door, you're an athlete, right? It's in the title and everybody's equal. And we really have that trickle down from the top to the bottom. And it's been really cool to see that happen over the last four and a half, almost five years. Yeah, almost five years. Wow. So if I remember right, community was kind of at the heart of why you started Edge or how you started Edge in the first place. Uh, could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my husband comes from a cycling background and I grew up as a competitive swimmer and runner. So a long time ago, we had 
much fewer wrinkles at the time and decided to try to do a triathlon and he taught me how to bike and and I taught him how to swim and he knew how to run but I got to keep him slow enough where I keep beating him so we did all distances and then you know over a few years and then got into um, full distance Ironman and really joined our first group training it's funny because I, I ran you know with groups but I never really thought about it from an endurance standpoint, but we were scared. So we were like, well, we need a group, we need a coach. And we hooked up with one, you know, did our due diligence and kind of fell in with one that felt right. And it was, I think, seven of us going to do Ironman together. And we would train for, you know, it got started getting up there like five, six, seven hours, especially on the bike, the bike sessions. And it was in the fall. So it was pretty, um, at the time, nobody raced fall. And I kept thinking, man, I'm going to get tired of these people. And the opposite happened where we would finish a seven-hour ride and we would still want to hang out. And, again, I had never really, as an adult, like an adult in my 20s, I had never really experienced that sweat bond phenomenon. And at the time, we didn't have that term. We just kind of knew, like, wow, I really love these people. And we kind of would jokingly say, man, we need to create a space for for us to hang out because we shouldn't have to go and like eat burgers and drink beer. Not that that's the worst thing in the world, but there should be kind of another option as you're trying to slay some pretty serious goals. And yeah, and conversations on conversations later led us down the path of, you know, creating a brick and mortar space that feels like a home for athletes where everybody's the same. And has a similar goal of just becoming better people and help each other attain whatever goal is in front of them so yeah that probably took I don't know maybe four years from that group to opening and it felt shorter than that for sure <laughs> um, but yeah that that's where it kind of came from um, my husband Brian always talks about you know he's he's totally like the analytical and I'm totally you know the kind of doer and he always talks about that he wanted to make edge really kind of technology forward. And I always like, was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can put all the technology in that you want, but we really need a place for people to just feel comfortable and, and hang out. So, you know, edge is really kind of a marrying of those, of those two things. Although I think the technology is always secondary to the human interaction and empowerment that happened. So who and how came up with the term sweat bond? Do you remember? Oh, I don't. I don't think that I do. I think um, at some point we started working with a business advisor that helped, like a small business advisor, and he might have actually, he's a super creative guy, even though he helped a lot kind of with our numbers. It was maybe a year and a half to two years in. And, you know, he really, I remember him asking us one day, what are you selling? And we were like, membership. And he's like, that's not what you're selling. What are you selling? And, and it, we just kept drilling down to what we're actually selling. You know, we're selling, you know, people chasing down dreams. We're selling people creating stronger and better versions of themselves. And, and one of the ways to get there was through this sweat bond. So it probably came out of those discussions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. I should know. I should be able to credit the person that did it. Yeah, well, we can always add that into yeah. the show notes later. But what I love about that is that it's now so like intrinsic to your identity that perhaps it feels like it was always a part of, of what you were setting out to do. Yeah, it, it, it was just cool to have the I remember when we started using the phrase, like everybody just kind of kind of you know, perked up because it doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter if you're sweating in a strength class. It doesn't matter if you're running, you know, beside someone. Um, it doesn't matter if you're recovering beside someone. It doesn't matter if you're maybe running next to someone in a race and a perfect stranger. Um, you're doing hard things side by side. And that's really 
the most, in my opinion, it's always the most kind of sacred relationship we have as adults because we're choosing to be vulnerable with each other in, in a quest for becoming better people. And people know I don't like talking about feelings that much. I always tell people, I don't really care about your feelings. How's your workout going? Um, but it really does, it really does matter to people. And it's, it's a, an amazing equalizer. Well, it, it gives you a framework to experience and talk about your feelings in a way that is sort of safe at first and yeah. then can lead you into a deeper vulnerability later, yeah, right? Totally. I'm always like, don't talk about it, do it. So it's the fact that you're actually doing it. You're actually sweating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of doing it, Robin, <laughs> just doing it, uh, what we talk about on the We Got Goals podcast, in addition to our focus on community for this quarter, we have two big questions that we ask everyone who comes on the show. And the first big question is, what is a, one big goal you've achieved? Why was it important to you? And how did you get there? So Robin, I will pose that question to you now. What is a big goal that you've accomplished in the past? And how did you make it happen? Um, a big goal in the past. So I would say, I mean, it sounds really kind of self-serving in a way, but it's honestly just getting edge open. I mean, we had, we had a lot and anyone who's opened up some brick and mortar in any big city, I think has it, uh, has had a similar experience, but it's tough. It's not just tough from a financial standpoint. It's tough from an emotional standpoint. It's tough from, you know, we were, you know, married people with full-time job standpoint. Um, it, it's a load that I always say, like, I don't necessarily wish that those feelings on anyone, but if you feel so good once you've kind of overcome all of those hurdles. So we refer to the, the two months prior to opening as the hardest thing we've ever done. And it's really cool to, to have struggled like that because everything we do, we compare to it. We're like, it wasn't as bad as that. Right. So you have this reference point, um, not unlike a really hard endurance event, right? Once you really kind of test your limits, you know what else you can do. So I think Brian and I would say the same thing as well was, um, opening, but also we came out of it as a stronger couple and and stronger people without a doubt. Mm. So what were some of the biggest challenges and how did you work through them? Biggest challenges, um, build out just in general, you know, running out of money. We always joke about like, oh, remember when we had literally no more money left and we thought we'd have to sell the house. <laughs> we had to mm. come to Jesus with our contractor. Um, that's, you know, that's stressful. We always say like, ah, it's only money. But you're sort of like, those are our savings that we're supposed to live off of. Um, city, just zoning, you know, all it's, it's just always, it's always an issue. And I understand the rigidity of it, but it's, it, you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough because you see your hopes and your dreams and you don't have any kind of control over it. Um, but at the same time, we knew the feedback that we were getting from people, you know, during the build out, even people coming by that, um, you know, knew about what we were doing and they saw what we were doing and it gave us that gusto. And I, re- I just remember being open for the first few days and seeing people react to the space and really understanding this. I mean, the concept still doesn't really exist. Um, so it was, it made it really, really worthwhile to kind of have gone through that. It was very cool to see. Yeah. And sleep deprivation. Oh my Lord. (laughs) Definitely the least I've ever slept like ever, ever, ever for just weeks and weeks on end. So it's good. You know, we, we finished all the work ourselves in the last couple months. So, oh my gosh. So what actually physically enabled you to get through that? I mean, part of it must have been your relationship, um, yours and Brian's with each other. Um, part of it must have been, like you say, the people coming by and, and having that vision for what it could be even before it really existed. Um, when you think back on that time, like what are some of the other 
just really practical things that helps you get through. I, I mean, part of it was just our, our investment that was already in it. It's like, mm-hmm. you can't, you're not, you're already on the mountain. So Brian, I always, I just said this to a, a friend this week that was going in for surgery and she, you know, she was scared rightfully. And I'm like, you know what? Once Brian and I went to go ride in the mountains this is when I first started into cycling and I had to rent a bike and I just started riding in clips and I was like, I'm a strong athlete, but I've never ridden mountains. And he's like, okay, but you know how to ride a bike. I'm like, I do. And he goes, okay. So when you're on the mountain, you're on the mountain. <laughs> I always, I always tell myself that. So when you're in the middle of something hard, you can't really get that freaked out about it because you're on the mountain. You still have to go up, right? There, you still see the top. You know it's there, or maybe it's up in the clouds. I don't know, but you are purposefully ascending. So any step forward gets you up toward the top, and eventually you're going to get to the top and realize that you see the view and and all of the above, and it gets a little bit easier as you move downhill. But we were on the mountain for all intents and purposes. We were on the mountain. We had a great piece of advice too. We have friends who own an apparel company um, for focused on women and they, they were about six months ahead of us. And I remember we were going through the worst of it when they were just, they live in LA, but they were um, in Chicago. And I remember we were having them over and it was probably like the worst day that we had had, that we ever had during everything. And I asked them, why do you do this? Like, you guys got to tell me right now. Like, what's in it? What's, what, why do you do it? And um, one of the owners said to us, I, I do it because it's hard. I do it because it's hard. And because it's hard, it means that only people who are super passionate are going to actually execute. And that means that my competition is going to be even possibly better than me and is going to drive me to be better as a business owner as, and as, as somebody who's trying to impact their communities. And I, I love that. And he said, you know, every time it gets hard, I said, go on, make it harder. Like, what else you got? So mm-hmm. we would say that to ourselves as we were, like, painting and laying carpet. Like, go on, what else do you have? Make it harder. Um, because it just means it's going to kind of move that line of progress, which I think is a, it was the perfect thing to tell us at the mm-hmm. perfect time. So amazing when you, like, have those friends and those people we're so who... so fortunate. I, we, we still can't believe. We're like, how do you, how are you in our lives? Yeah. <laughs> like, literally, I pet his dog at an Ironman. Mm-hmm. And then that's how we met. And they're some of our dearest friends now. <laughs> yeah. It all comes back to some kind of sweat bond, right? <laughs> right? Wow. That's really incredible to hear and incredible to, to think about that and then to walk into Edge today and, and see the thriving community and, and think that there was a time bef- before it existed. Um, now that it's been almost five years, how you kind of already mentioned that the diversity of the community is different than what you had originally envisioned. Are there other ways that it does fulfill the vision that you laid out and ways that it has surprised you along the way? Yeah. I think for me, the biggest surprise is how much athletes support each other because I, I don't know why, but I thought when we started that I remember that Brian, you know, had a full-time job all. So it really was, you know, the Robin show for a little while there. And I always thought that I had to be the person connecting people and kind of driving those connections and managing those connections. And once I was able to step back, I, all of a sudden I was like, you dummy, like they're doing it on their own. And for me, that becomes so much more self-sustaining and not to mention just organic. And it, it just feeds itself to kind of how incredible you know, adult athletes are because they want to make those connections. They don't need, they certainly don't need my help, especially not now because I would fail miserably at it. Um, but they're just all about trying to support each other in, in really cool ways. I remember on our, I think our third anniversary, 
everyone was at the, it was just a really cool weekend of racing. And that was a big moment for me because everyone was tagging us and on, you know, they were doing posts and tagging us cause they were racing, but they were all kind of supporting each other. So we had people out West running endurance races and, you know, helping pace for sections. And we had people running, you know, 10 Ks and wanting to run together so that they could push each other. We had another group at a bike race that was on course and supporting them. And I, I remember hitting the little icon, you know, where people tag you and it was just like rows and it just happened to coincide with our third year anniversary. And I turned to Brian and I was like, we're so fortunate that these people want to wear our logo. And then I stopped myself and I'm like, you idiot. It's not our logo. It's their family crest. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's different. It's changed. It became, it, it started as something that we created that we were just so grateful when people wanted to be a part of it. But now they take such an ownership in it um, that it, it really truly becomes theirs. And that is, that has completely exceeded we would have never, ever thought that that would get to that level. Like people taking shirts and getting our logo put on them because, you know, they want to make sure to, to, to wear it and, and, you know, show their, their family pride. Um, never thought about that happening. And it's, it's so gratifying. Um, but it's also just so cool because I know they're doing it, you know, for each other. They're not doing it for us. And that's just the best reason. Hmm. So what are some of the ways, you know, back again, before it all kind of coalesced and you were seeing these things happening without you even intentionally doing it? How how did you kind of set things up from the beginning? What were some of the tangible ways that you went about trying to lay the groundwork for that community? Um, having a lot of swag. <laughs> <laughs> we always said that we want to make sure to have stuff that people want to wear um, because people like to feel, you know, they like to feel proud of what they've done. Um, and, and kind of what they're a part of from a, you know, just connecting people standpoint, you know, having a Facebook group really early, you know, making sure that people have a way to connect. Um, the space helps. I mean, it looks, someone said cheers for athletes, right? So it, like when people walk in, I know who they are, what they're doing, you know, having fields in our intake of mantras and, um, you know, sports and races that are on their radar and Instagram handles. Um, just ways that we can kind of know people beyond their first name and then figuring out ways to kind of connect them. And again, people are doing it more and more on their own. Um, and I think our programming lends to that too, right? If you go on a run, you're going to know everybody's name. Um, that's helped a ton. But, you know, all of our staff are, are the same way too. Everyone wants to know every single person's name and story. And we get really jazzed when there's a special story that we can share internally and externally. And, and you know, that pride of knowledge is, is kind of paramount. Mm -hmm. But again, it helps when the space looks like it's like a giant living room. People are, what else are you doing for an hour in boots? You're going to talk to the person next to you. Yeah. Yeah. And how have you seen that kind of benefit people? I mean, I, one of the reasons that you opened was to help people with recovery. And then you've also moved, I know, more and more into the training piece of it, too. Um, how does that community play a role just in like athletic performance and in recovery from training and racing? You know, recovery has really just become this byproduct of training, which for me... Um, is so satisfying as a coach. Like I, I want it to be something that's just kind of done and we don't have to push people to do. And that's absolutely what's happened. It's become more mainstream as well, but it's just this experience where you just do boom, boom, boom. I actually think that <laughs> peer pressure is a bitch and in a great way. So if you have an athlete who is strength training twice a week and, and advancing 
um, their pace card and hitting PRs and the person that is in their pace group is like, what are you doing? And they're like, oh, I'm doing, you know, two EWODs a week, which is what we call edge workouts of the day. So mm. it's the daily programming that progresses. Um, they're always going to be like, oh, what's that, right? And for me, just having that conversation of how to pair strength with endurance, with recovery, people just, they just take off. I mean, this year we had a 93% success rate of PRs or people finishing their first marathon at Chicago Marathon, which just, it, it, it was up. And it wasn't even that good of weather this year. Mm -hmm. um, for me, like that's, up there with a proud accomplishment and it's not all about prs but it is about creating stronger people and if you have people who are accomplishing their goals they're just going to be hungrier for more and that that's the stuff where again they can kind of talk to each other on that and and really put some pressure in terms of like this is how you become a complete athlete mm -hmm. so that makes a lot of sense when it comes to um athletes in similar sports kind of learning from each other. How have you seen the way that the diversity of the community has benefited your athletes too, and athletes kind of cross-pollinating or talking to different types of athletes altogether? Yeah, um, the cross-pollination stuff is pretty cool. So the the most unfortunate way that it happens is when someone gets injured, which, you know, mm. it's this is true, right? Cardiovascular readiness always precedes your muscles, musculoskeletal system being able to sustain a load. So especially when you're talking about running, um, it's kind of an inevitability. I know you've dealt with running injuries. Yeah, we could talk about that all day. We had, In fact, I do have a whole other right. podcast yeah. about that, but we'll talk about that later. So yeah. if I'm an injured runner and all of a sudden I'm on a bike, now I'm in a different part of the community and being able to talk to people. And all of a sudden I hear about a gravel road race that's not that dissimilar to the trail races that I like to do. And so now I might start to segue kind of into that. Um, so injury, definitely a really, really easy way to cross-pollinate. Um, for people who haven't gotten into endurance sports that kind of come on board with us for general fitness, very cool to hear them, um, talk about, you know, like I ran my first 5k, uh, and then all of a sudden they're like, what's a 10k like, right? And you just get these kind of questions popping up and they, you know, they look at the person next to them and they think, you know, that person can do it. I bet, I bet they can kind of answer some questions on it. So just pure curiosity is probably the second way. Um, and then, you know, whenever we do cheer zones, you know, especially at events, you know, like the Intelligentsia Cup that comes to Fulton Market, usually in late July. It's so cool to see runners come to that event because their minds are blown that people race, you know, two to three times in a day, three to four to five to six days in a row on a bike at that speed. They just can't even fathom it. So then their curiosity has peaked and all of a sudden, you know, they might be looking at a road bike, right? I just had a runner, I had a runner who, um, fell, broke her hand. I've just been talking about buying a bike. She came in the back door with her hand all like in a cast and everything. Mm. She fell, I think it just on ice. It wasn't even running related, but she cannot run with this hand. Like it is huge and blue. There's no way she can do a swing through. She's like, coach Robin, I bought, I bought a bike. And I'm like, yes. Cause we've been talking about this bike for six months, but now I know and she's so pumped to be able to be active and, and bring it in the, in the bike room. And um, you know, learn something new. So it's that kind of curiosity and discovery that I get really pumped about. I mean, injury can lead you there too, but it's always better when it's, you know, kind of a positive curiosity. 
Well, I think curiosity is just such an empowering thing when you're injured too or whenever yeah. you face an obstacle or you just are, are sort of seeking the next level of achievement. And it does seem like just putting yourself in that room with people who are doing all kinds of different things just lends itself to, to keeping that more open mindset and not being like so dogmatic about your beliefs. And that's probably something that, I don't know, is uh, now that hearing you talk about it is probably even more powerful than I might have even thought yeah. it would be. Yeah, it's, it's, it's super fun. And again, we did not we did not think, I know who came up with cross-pollination. That term was Daphne Caragonis, one of our cyclists. Um, she said it when she was in ice bath. She's like, you guys have such crazy cross-pollination of athletes. I'm like, that's a great term. We did not see that happening at all either. We kind of thought everything would be intra-sport, and it's just, it's so cool. So we always give awards out at the end of the year, and one of ours is multi-sport ninja. So somebody who either toggles between two very different sports or has converted over to a different sport and learned a new skill, we tend to really celebrate that too because it's very fun to see. Mm. Well, and I love too. I mean, that is another like really tangible thing you do. I mean, just in this conversation, you mentioned, um, you know, the training groups that you have, you've mentioned cheer zones, you've mentioned your awards, like you really do a lot of stuff that is intentionally about building community. Um, are there other things that come to mind that you haven't already mentioned that that you do build into your programming or to your space that that kind of foster that? Um, from a programming standpoint, I mean, we have little, I have things that I do when I coach classes or coach sessions where if someone's new, it's like always have an introduction and then, you know, some type of a silly, you know, first name and favorite food. So like on Wednesday we had Sergio pizza, um, which is, you know, it's <laughs> funny because then they have a nickname right away. Right. And then people always call them pizza for the rest of their time at edge, which is great. Um, just, you know, breaking down and again, kind of those walls, trying more and more to reach people virtually. So again, using Facebook group to engage, making sure that people, you know, know when we have community events, we tend to do team building stuff about once a month. So bocce ball, um, tournaments will go to, we went to, um, Lagunitas for a tour. That was like super fun. What great storytelling they have going on there. That completely blew my mm -hmm. mind. We're doing a doggy date, um, at doggy paddle, which is in our building, which is pretty fun. So, you know, just trying to do stuff as humans, not just always as athletes, too, I think really helps kind of build that. And then, again, virtually one of our um, coaches actually does our own podcast. So uh, she will feature kind of stories or people that speak really to subjects that are either affecting or we know, you know, should impact our community. And that's been really cool. They, they like, get so excited when a new episode comes out, especially when they're this last one in January, they, um, they were featured. So they got all... They all got little two minutes and it was it was fun to hear the different voices. Yeah, yeah. Well, we will link to that one in the show notes for sure. Um, always love to share the pod love. So another thing that struck me too just in this conversation is like how you do kind of have your own edge lingo that you have EWADs and you have cross-pollination and you have sweat bond and you have this like little language, which I think is also like another um, – sign of a strong community that you, um, you know, you're always reaching out to new people, but you also have kind of a way that people can sort of identify within that community and know, okay, I'm, I'm a part of this. I, I can even speak the language, you know? I got asked recently at um, a Nike dinner what my favorite thing about being a coach was. And because I'm definitely a coach before I'm a business owner. Like that's my favorite thing in the whole wide world. And my answer was that I like to create coaches out of athletes. And not that I don't need people to get certifications, but if we can empower people with enough words and enough confidence that they can be their own coach when things get hard, or even better, if they can turn to the person next to them and be a coach to the person next to them, 
that is like where all of the magic happens. So when we were so fortunate and got accepted into the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses Program, I don't know if you've ever heard of that. If you're a small business owner, you're going to look at 10ksb.com. Um, and it's a really, really intensive, almost like an executive MBA. And it was crazy. I actually thought about that to, for my goal answer because it, it was an insanely intense um, experience. But they mm. have everything from finance to marketing. And, and one of the things that we created um, was a really strong kind of cultural pocket of our, of, of our brand. And we came up with axioms. So everything from, um, you know, Joe Madden in terms of, you know, quotes that he has, you know, with the Cubs to honor the sweat bond to mine, which is listen to that little voice in your head. It's telling you what you want, however scary. So, you know, we put them everywhere. Like they live on our website. They live written on our mirrors. Um, you know, we'll shout them out to people during classes. And those nuggets go back to, you know, trying to be the voice in people's heads so that they can have their own voice, you know, when things get tough. And that, that goes along with the lingo, though. Mm -hmm. And they, they, everyone knows what the axioms are, right? Mm -hmm. And pretty soon, we're going to have a new one out, too. So that's exciting. Ooh, well, stay tuned for that. <laughs> Sneak preview or sneak tease, I guess. So one of the things that uh, we kind of talk about sometimes at A Sweat Life that's interesting, and it, I think you've done a really good job of this because you, again, have so many different ways that you're pulling people in, including like the challenges that you mentioned, which are another interesting aspect of what you're doing. Um, like it's obviously, you know, important for a community to feel cohesive and for people to feel like they belong, but it's also really important to continue to welcome new people yeah. into that community. So as the EDGE community has grown, how have you struck that balance and made sure that new people feel welcome while making sure they know that that community is something that's valuable because of the bonds that are built there? Yeah, no, that's a great question because we're not done growing. And I, um, you know, we will always grow. And I'm always very clear with that. Like that, that is the goal of the business, right? That is the goal of a group is to, is to grow it. Um, never too much or too fast, but absolutely. But the cool part is, and, and I say this to even some of our OG members, because we'll do focus groups, you know, and have, you know, recaps of seasons, how to go. And, and I always am clear, we will always grow, but we get a say in how we grow. And, you know, as long as you kind of, especially with, you know, people who have been with us for years, as long as you know that you have a say in how you do get to grow, then everybody feels empowered to make it, you know, as, as authentic as possible. So how do, that's a good question though, in terms of how do we do it? Introductions are huge. Mm -hmm. um, our newsletters, for instance, at, at group endurance training, will focus an athlete every single week. And a lot of times I will try to focus on people that, you know, are brand new to the group mm -hmm. and, and, you know, putting in again on intake, we have, what are they chasing time-wise? What are they chasing non-related time-wise? What is their fun fact? What is their favorite mantra? And then when someone meets them, um, they're like, oh yeah, you know, we know you do hard shit. <laughs> it's like they already know their mantra. So it's, again, just kind of like breaking that down. Um, again, though, I think the space really lends itself to just, it, it's open, it's wide. There's, there's no, there's nowhere to kind of really hide. Hmm. And, and even things like if you're on the ice bath, you're not going to sit there and be silent Bob. Like you have to talk to people. It's not a space where you can be a hermit. Um, and I think that that sets the tone for everything else that happens. Yeah. It's uh a lot more challenging to get through an ice bath if you're all alone or if you're like trying to ignore the person next to you, right? And group pictures too. Like a lot of times if we're in a six-week challenge period, we'll take group pictures after every single class and we post them to the group. And mm. then that way people learn names really, really, really quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Well, you mentioned growth and that, you know, maybe one goal you have for the future is to kind of keep that up. But, you know, the second question that we ask here on the We Got Goals podcast is about a big goal that you have for the future and how you plan to get there. So could you talk a little bit about that? And maybe it is um, something like the growth of edge or maybe it's something different. But how would you answer that? Yeah, this is a tougher one for me because, you know, I have little ones like um, learning to actually knit things that aren't planes, right? Because right now I only know how to knit scarves and blankets. So I'm like, oh, a hat, right? That's like low hanging goal, <laughs> learning how to invent something that's not just a straight flat plane. Um, but bigger goal, and I think really in the last six months, we've started to touch on this is learning to um, step out of the kind of long hours physically at edge and learn how to grow it and be mindful of keeping things like culture and community and being really strategic about it. Um, that's something that my husband's really, really good at is like pointing that out. You can't be in it and grow it at the same time, the right way. You'll mm-hmm. ju- it's just too much. So for me, I've gotten a lot better at striking that balance. And I look forward this year to, you know, getting even better at it. And, and that involves, you know, really relying on our employees a lot, which we already do because our team is just the best. Like we're so fortunate, but also being able to, you know, think beyond my coach brain. And, and it's fun. It's, it's fun to have that as a, as a privilege. We're really lucky to be where we are almost five years in. Right. So like you say, part of that is just like physically removing yourself yeah. a little bit. Um, are there other ways that you're kind of trying to spark your own creativity or trying to think a little bit more big picture? Uh, well, that's a great question. So I'm a huge nerd. I don't know how many people know that. Like my family's all in academia. So I'm a big reader. And I would say our first few years, I did not read enough. So for me, I read a minimum of 25 pages of a book that I'm learning from every single day, no matter what. And, you know, that's been huge for me. So, you know, reading things on um, building culture, reading things on, I really love grit. I just finished it. Um, I have a sport or social psych background. So that's been really helpful to get more into, um, you know, like flow was a great book for me getting more kind of nerdy again has been really good the subtle art of not giving a fuck still one of my favorite all-time reads life-changing read um and even rereading those so reading huge for me Mm -hmm. being able to step out and and then applying those kind of principles into things like our coaching platforms that's that's really where i feel like we move the business because we can actually pull up and look down and, and help direct things a little bit and then personally selfishly just training more like actually getting back into racing and feeling more like an athlete um is definitely a goal. That's that was the other goal I was toggling between, but I don't want to come into a race yet. So right. <laughs> we're getting there, though. We're getting there. All right. Well, we won't ask you to go on the record yet, then. But I think that you know, I think that that's so important, and I'm glad to hear you say that because I can imagine in the kind of mindset that you've been in, how it's hard to think that you know that you have the time for that or hard to dedicate the time to that but gosh i mean it's your background as an athlete and your deep empathy and understanding for athletes that that got you to this point and to be able to go back and reconnect to that now after you've seen this thing you've started you know come to be and grow and build like that's going to feel really cool for you and then you're probably going to have even more insights to bring back yeah i'm i really look forward to it i do think we're finally at a point now where it's calmed down just enough just because we have enough bandwidth um, where we can have a little bit more free time and not worry about, you know, my phone blowing up, um, you know, during a, you know, an hour long run. So I'm, I'm excited about that, but I always say it's not about me, right? It isn't. And if I had a choice either to coach or to race, I would always choose to coach. 
Um, but at the same time, I miss racing too. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you got to give the people a chance to cheer you on too. Yeah. You know, like it'll, that's it'll part of the community, it'll the give and take, good. right? Right. Um, and I'm curious too. So we we talked a lot about you know the ways that that athletes have helped each other in their performances. Um, have you seen that community that you've built kind of support athletes in other ways too, or has it given you even something bigger beyond just? your business and, and athletic goals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, like I, Ryan and I always say like, man, like take like money out of it. Take, you know, what, what we, has happened in the last five years. If we create something that helps support people in their time of need, like we're good, right? It's working. Like put everything else to the side It's working. So everything from, you know, we had an athlete that broke her ankle running and found out that another athlete like drove her back, you know, People were, you know, helping with her with her rehab. You know, they helped her kind of get back on her feet. And, you know, none of it was necessary, but did it. And that was so nice. And then more recently, which is tragic, but we had one of our dogs pass very unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. And the, the amazing, like, just gestures that people did, they completely blew us away. Like, we didn't eat. We didn't choose what to eat for, like, four days straight. We just had people sending food. We walked in one day and the entire back cabinet was just filled with flowers. It was just the kindest, the kindest thing that we've ever probably had happen. And it just, it, it, it really struck us. And we were like, whoa, yeah, this is, um, this is a special group. And, and you don't really know it until things get hard and people show their true colors. And that's just the best. Wow. Chills with that. That's amazing. Uh, well, now that we've talked all about the wonderful community you have built at Edge, I want to make sure people know where to find you. Um, so tell us where Edge is physically and then how people can learn a little bit more about it, even if they're not based here in Chicago. Yep. So um, Edge is physically located on the north side at 1747 North Elston. So we have loads of parking on the street and then also private parking in back, which is awesome. Um, on Instagram, we are at edgeathletelounge.com. Um, website is edgeathletelounge.com. Facebook is edgeathletelounge.com. <laughs> if you want to find me, I'm at coach.robin, R-O-B-Y-N. And I'm going to always tell you to follow our pugs, which is at pug covery. Yeah. Just get ready because they're cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Robin, thank you so much for joining us today on the We Got Goals podcast. It's been wonderful talking with you and hearing about the Edge community. And I hope that people will take a minute to check it out. Thank you so much, Cindy. Come by in the ice bath. This podcast is a sweatlife.com production. And it's another thing that's better with friends. So if you could share it with yours, we would really be grateful. One excellent way to do that is to subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts and also leave us a rating or review while you're there. Special thanks to Jay Mono for our theme music, to our guest this week, Robin Lalonde, to Tech Nexus for the recording studio. Thanks to Ryan Deffitt for editing. And of course, an extra special thanks to you, our listeners. 